They say you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And I think that is very pertinent for what I found out this week. So in this episode of Off the Cuff, there's a couple of topics I want to talk about, but I'll get into uh, what I mean by see yourself become the villain uh, in the end. So the first topic I want to talk about is uh, COVID vaccines. So yesterday I got mine. Well, I got my first first Pfizer shot. And yeah, right now my my arm is dead. Um, I don't feel too bad otherwise, though. Um, I suppose I don't feel too bad for being in a city in lockdown. Um, and you know it is a bit. It is starting to get bitterly cold. Uh, there's not much sun sunshine around. It's yeah. So I suppose I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, but yeah, probably the worst effect is that my, my left arm is, it feels like it's been punched, which is a very normal, uh, thing for vaccines. Um, yeah, so the whole process is, so, so I called up, uh, the government hotline for, uh, getting COVID vaccine. Um, unfortunately, so I booked last weekend and it took about half an hour to finally get through and I'm sitting there on the couch and, you know, my wife goes, have they picked up yet? Well, if I haven't started speaking, that means they haven't picked up. Um, yeah, so the lovely uh, lovely person picked up the phone. Um, yeah, we discussed. Um, and then so I made a booking for myself and my wife. Um, and one of the, one of the things I did was I made sure to thank the the person for their for their service to the public because you know um, people in the you know, people in the behind the scenes uh, COVID uh, preparation are you, you know there's a lot of panic around there's a lot of anger and frustration going around and yeah I think just a little bit of niceness to the people who are trying to help uh, goes a long way goes a long way so yeah so we booked uh went to our local uh went to a hospital uh one of the things i think they could have done better is differentiated between walk-ins and people with pre-existing bookings uh so when we got to the hospital unfortunately they didn't really make clear where the bookings line was so we just saw this line and the line kept on going and going and going and going and I reckon probably at least a hundred meters. It was it was like there were you know a few hundred people there. It was just uh, yeah. Then my wife goes, "Hey, you know, we booked. Shouldn't there be a bookings line?" And I couldn't find anything to do with the bookings line. And the security guards were too busy making sure people have uh, checked in with the COVID QR code. Um, yeah, so my wife just walked off and, uh, found where the bookings line was. And the bookings line was actually like near the entrance where the walk-in line was, but they didn't, there's only like literally one sign saying, uh, bookings, bookings, uh, checking through here. Um, yeah, so went in and yeah, one of the reasons that the, uh, walk-in line was so long was obviously like they can only squeeze people in, in between bookings. So if you've booked, you know, you get the right to walk in and, uh, priority service basically. Whereas if you if you're a walk-in, you mean you just got to stay there and wait until there's a spot open. And 
So they do ask for your driver's license and your Medicare card. Um, you have to show you that a couple of times. Um, the getting the jab is no different to getting like, the flu shot or something. Um, you know, you get, you get to pick an arm and, uh, you know, 30 seconds later, you're done. The only difference with this, though, is that because they have to keep the vaccine in a uh, at very cold temperatures, um, the whole place is a little bit chilly. So, yeah, so you just got to get, yeah, get used to that. Um, if it was the middle of summer, it'd be fantastic, but yeah, because we're, we're in winter, not, not quite so. Then, uh, you sit in a room for about 15 minutes just to make sure you don't have any side effects. And that, and yeah, once you're done, you, you're free to go. Uh, free parking as well. So that's a, that's a bit of a bonus. But, uh, where the frustration comes in, this is the next part I want to talk about, is the, the failures of hotel quarantine. Um, every, every outbreak we've had so far in Victoria has come about through a failure in hotel quarantine. Uh, whether it be a security guard who was standing near the wrong door at the wrong time, uh, whether someone had accident, had caught the virus, um, and tested negative before the, uh, before the virus could take hold, which is what's happened in this instance. So in this, uh, fourth lockdown that we've had, um, someone from South Australia picked up the virus when they were next door, like in, 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 in a hotel room, the hotel room next door to the hotel room of someone who had the virus. And apparently the front door to their room and the, and the front door to his room were open at the same time. And hey, presto, he somehow, he somehow contracted it. He's brought it back to Melbourne. Uh, and then that cluster has grown to about 60 people. And yeah, all this good work that we've done, all these freedoms that we've, uh, you know, temporarily given up that, that we've now got back, we've now had to give up again because, oh, the contact tracers need time to, uh, you know, get on top of the situation and all that. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. I'm starting to, uh, lose a bit of patience myself. Just the fact this is the fourth time this has happened. And every time we, every time the government comes out and goes, oh, the, the contact tracing system is now the gold standard. It is, you know, Australia's best. It is, we're prepared and ready for, you know, for anything. And now here we are, fourth time round, um, you know, 60-something people have been infected, um, exposure sites, you know, all over the city. And, yeah, it's just getting getting frustrating. And I feel for those uh, those business owners who, you know, who are still recovering from uh, lockdowns last year, uh, the, 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 three, the three lockdowns we had. Um, yeah, and so the government, so the state government has announced uh, grants of up to five thousand dollars for affected businesses, and there's a couple of other, there's a couple of other grants depending on what industry that you're in. Uh, and then the the federal government has announced a five hundred dollar uh, emergency payment, and there were some uh, rules about that. Um, you had to be uh, things like three hundred twenty-five dollars if you're working part-time, or five hundred dollars if you're a full-time employee. 
Uh, you've used up all your annual leave, um, stuff like that. But also the other requirement is that you have less than $10,000 in liquid assets. Now, I wonder how they actually go about checking that, whether they go through your, you know, Centrelink slash social, social security records. Um, yeah, that's, uh, interesting to see how they, how they enforce that. But, um, yeah, and is $500 enough? Um, this thing becomes the, uh, the argy bargy that happens between a Labor state government and a liberal federal government. Um, yeah, look, I just, I just hope that those who are affected uh, don't, you know, are able to find the help they need. Uh, the next topic I wanted to briefly touch on was, now I have made a podcast episode about this, but uh, the topic I wanted to talk about and why I, you know, why they say, you either die here or live long enough to see yourself become the villain is that a number of uh, Christian thought leaders in the, uh, uh, I'm going to say fourth great wave or the fourth great awakening uh, evangelical Christianity, you know, the spirit filled, um, latter rain movement, light, uh, Pentecostal type, uh, non-denominational Christianity uh, type of uh, Christianity. Um, when I was a, you know, how old, how old would I have been? Yeah, when I was a devout 20, 21 year old believer, uh, trying to get the approval of my pastor and uh, associate pastor and all that, you know, there's well, all this talk of how, you know, people like Mark Driscoll and Bill Hybels are, you know, fantastic leaders. They have mega churches. They, you know, they've, they've got some really good leadership principles and, and all that. Um, and then it turns out, uh, now, this apparently happened a few years ago, so this is how far behind I am in terms of, you know, current happenings in Christianity, is apparently Bill Hybels back in 2018 and 2019 got busted. Uh, well, he, accusations came forward that he was a creep. That's uh, probably the nicest way to put it. Um, and Mark Driscoll was uh, just abusive to his uh, abusive to his staff and uh, – led demonization campaigns of people who spoke up about wrongdoing. Anyway, I've got more of that on uh, in an upcoming episode. And the last topic I wanted to briefly touch on was uh, Cy Tembrook and Kate. As you may – now, this is one thing I was able to keep uh, keep abreast of. Um, Cy Tembrook and Kate, or I, I refer to him as, as King of the Precepts because um, – yeah, his style of presuppositional apologetics um, seems to have uh, caught on, where it's very confrontational, very aggressive, um, refuses to back down. And now I think uh, Christians like that because hey, you know, he's a guy, you know, he's a guy who's standing up for the faith. He's not backing down. He's you know boldly walk into the lion's den to you know, get chewed out by atheists, uh, stuff like that. Um, yeah, so he uh, admitted to uh, moral wrongdoing and he's stepped aside from uh, from ministry and public life. Um, his, I think his website is still up, a proof that God exists.org, but he's no longer on Twitter or a- any other social media. Now, I, I don't hate the guy at all. I, you know, I, I think he's, I think he's annoying. I think he's ridiculous. Um, 
Now, my interaction with him, I got into like a, a two day Twitter spat with him going over, yeah, going over stuff. Um, he played his Hattie, you know, that card. Um, he played the, you know, who fall in the laws of logic card. And I had to tell him that, you know, humans invented logic. And then he replied back with, um, oh, so before the Greeks invented logic, the moon both existed and not existed at the same time. And he was referring to the law of non-contradiction. And I said, no, mate, you know, we use the law of log- the laws of logic to observe reality, to observe and describe reality. And he, he didn't buy that for a second, but then that's, that's his stick. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't listen to reasonable, reasonable arguments. Um, yeah. So I, the reason I started thinking about him was because I'm writing my second book and I do touch on presuppositional apologetics, presuppositional apologetics. And yeah, one of the, obviously when you think modern presuppositional apologetics, you think of, you think of, uh, Saiten Brugenkate. And then I realized, hold on, you know, it's weird not having, um, yeah, like I remember when he was active on Twitter, you know, I'd, uh, have someone who quote tweeted or retweeted something, something he said, either affirming or highlighting how ridiculous his particular viewpoint was. And, I would say that I miss him, but there are plenty of ridiculous Twitter Christians out there who say ridiculous things that get quote, quote tweeted or retweeted anyway. But I think it would be uh, interesting if Psy uh, 10 actually did walk away from the faith. Now, before you go, oh, Damien, what do you mean Saiten walk away from the faith? He's as uh, devoted a Christian as you'll ever be. And all these other, you know, Christians are as devoted a Christian as you, as you'll find, you know, uh, Dan Dennett, uh, Matt Dillahunty, uh, myself, you know, um, Seth Andrews, all these, um, people who, uh, who publicly, you know, made affirmations, people who were, you know, publicly identifiable as Christians, or me publicly identifiable, but, you know, people knew I was a Christian, people knew I was dedicated to the cause, people knew what, what, what I was doing Sunday morning, what I was doing Saturday night, usually uh, practicing, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, when I walked away from the faith, um, people go, what happened? Who hurt you? Who abused you? Um, I said, no one. I just realized I couldn't prove God exists. Um, yeah, so it would be interesting in the least to see if Saiten Brugenkate, um, either dies a hero or lives long enough to see himself become the villain, i.e. a rational skeptical atheist. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe and rate it on whatever platform you find it on and share it on your social media continue the discussion on the discussion post as well as check out more thought-provoking content over at www.tallfriendlyatheistdad.com. If you wish to be a guest, would like me as a guest on your podcast or platform, or even to be a sponsor, head over to the Twitter account for this podcast at TFADpod. But the best way to support this podcast is to head over to the iTunes bookstore or Google Play, and purchase your copy of The Best Religion for the Task at Hand, a response to creationism and why humanism is morally superior to the Bible. You'll be engaged by it.
thank you for listening to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Have a great day. Have a great week. See you next time.